the blast from our past network. Hot ride? Hot ride! Hello, Newman. This is so f***ing good! No soup for you! These pretzels are making me thirsty! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Serenity now! He's a re-gifter! Well, let's start the insanity. Giddy up. Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are two super fans giving you every single episode of Cartwright and every single episode of Seinfeld back to back to back because we love Cartwright and we love Seinfeld. We love all things Seinfeld and Cartwright and Cartwright and Seinfeld. <laughs> I, I'm Adam. Hey, I'm Corey. Yeah. So uh, today we are talking season seven. Episode 17, The Friars Club. If you are listening to this episode, that means you are on our free feed. And we appreciate you. Thank you so much for checking out Cartwright of Seinfeld Podcast. If you are interested in getting more episodes of Cartwright, all you have to do is go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Cartwright. And for $1 a month, you can get every single episode that we do, not just every other Every single one, including our back catalog. And guess what? You're going to lose the ads. Isn't that awesome? Just like he says on RoboCop, I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> oh, Corey, that's like one of your most used lines in the entire Beef Up Network is Corey <laughs> saying that line. So, All right. As I mentioned, the Friars Club season seven, season seven, episode 17. It first aired March 7th, 1996. Corey, my man, could you please give us the synopsis? Of course. The Friars Club. Are there still any Friars Clubs around? Well, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Jerry tries to join the famed Friars Club, but fears he'll never be admitted after the crested blazer disappears at the Flying Sandoz Brothers performance. A new Peterman employee with selective hearing bothers Elaine. Kramer tries out Leonardo da Vinci's sleep habits, but they cause him trouble with his mafia girlfriend... Rob Schneider guest stars. That is a beefy synopsis. Dude, that first sentence. You yeah. guys, I'm going to cut it, but I tried like three times to read that fucking thing. Why did it? I'm, I can't believe that it actually said uh, Rob Schneider guest stars because it yeah. never has called out any other famous person. No, no, it's right there. <laughs> Why is Rob <laughs> Schneider like the most famous guy to get called out? And as Adam said before we started recording, making cup. <laughs> oh man that water cooler uh snl skit or the copy the office skits like all that stuff that i was mean so good. like dude not gonna lie like i mean obviously we'll talk about rob schneider when we get to him but like you you guys all know that i love the john lovitz era and everything like i kind of low-key always kind of enjoyed rob schneider i know like his yeah. career his movie career didn't quite you know skyrocket the way other people's did but i always liked him i always enjoyed him i mean he was an animal Mm-hmm. He, he was uh he was what, deuce uh, bigelow male deuce gigolo. bigelow exactly you know <laughs> he had his time in the sun funny. yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> you're right he did have his time in the sun and maybe that's all the rob scheider we could handle as a society yeah i think <laughs> we're good so all right uh, we are going to start us off as we do in many episodes this one with a stand-up and it on dreams dreams the other thing I love is when you're in the middle of a dream and the alarm goes off. 
You incorporate the sound of the alarm into the dream so you can keep sleeping, and you'll make any adjustment in the dream to do it. I was with Marie Antoinette in a dream last night, and she was on the guillotine. The blade coming down, her head fell into the basket, it rolled over, and she started singing Neil Diamond's Solitary Man. And I thought, this that's not my alarm going off. This is actually happening. That's not very funny. No, that's how it ends. <laughs> And I thought to myself, uh, they should have cut this. Yeah, pretty, pretty bad. (laughs) There you go. There you go. All right. All right. Let's get into the episode. George, he is extremely happy. He is like, you know, just walking on air, going down the street. Um, You know, he's twirling around a light pole kind of thing. Uh, He's super excited. He gets to Jerry's apartment. The wedding is delayed because of a catering service. That is why he is so excited. Yeah, Yeah, they are really playing up that George uh, is not interested in getting married. No, no, no. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, But we do find out also that Susan's best friend broke up with her boyfriend, and they're going to be doing a double date at the Friars Club that Jerry sets up. He's trying to get into, and he's all excited about this date, too. Apparently, he's all into her as well. Yeah, well, and he's also excited because, oh, if this works out, like, you know, we can have this life together now. And he yeah. just, again, he's really trying to leverage uh, Jerry into a committed relationship. And more the better for George if it is with someone who Susan is friends with as well. Well, I mean, it kind of goes back to what uh, Kramer said, you know, that it's, um, you know, that, that uh, weddings is, is, a, is a jail sentence or it's like it's a... Yeah. It's a bondage, basically. You just think about stop having friends. You have to have couple friends. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you can't be friends with regular people, you have to be friends with your couple people mm-hmm. and with other wedding people. <laughs> and then this is what George is excited about because he can still have his friend Jerry in his life if uh, if he gets together with Susan's friend. Right. And, of course, uh, you know, he says, I'll stay of execution or something like that. And then Jerry's like, dead man walking. And they're like both like, hey. And it's just it's funny because it's, it's funny because Jerry – Jerry knows what's happening. Like, he knows that George doesn't want to marry her. And I do like that he kind of, like, tries to put in that that, that jab occasionally. Like, when mm. he says, like, dead man walking, you know? It's just, yep. he knows. Oh, yeah. it's George does not hide it. <laughs> no, no. Somehow, Susan doesn't see it. But uh, he doesn't hide it from anyone else. Yeah. So. All right. So, yes, they're going to be going on a date at the Friars Club. The Friars Club is a private club uh, that started off in New York City. Famous, famous for its risque roasts. That's probably oh. the most famous. They, they, those Friars Club roasts, where they will roast famous people or comedians. Um, but but and, now it's evolved into like just the Comedy Central roast. But that yeah, whole concept Central. sort of started as a Friars Club thing, right? They still do Friars Club roasts, and it's still like a thing. But you're right, Comedy Central saw that and enjoyed it. Because uh, they used to air a couple of the Friars Club roasts, which were awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of was like, oh, okay, we're going to use our own guys. And, um, you know, and, and they have like, you know, Jim Norton and uh, Jeffrey Ross or whatever. Like they're, they're like the terrible Roastmasters. They're fantastic. They're hilarious. They're awful, you know, to people, but it's great. Um, and, and so the Friars Club is mostly comprised of comedians and other celebrities founded back in 1904. Oh, wow. And actually in 1999, Jerry Stiller was roasted, and Jason Alexander was the roast master. <laughs> so that's, cool. oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Yep, very cool. And and weren't they also like the the guys with the the red hats? Isn't that the front? You're thinking of uh, the, the no, those are the the shiners or oh, something that, like that. Yep, you're right. That's you're 100 percent right. That, yeah, they, yeah, and they make they they get money for like kids' cancer in, yeah. in other <laughs> other places. Totally well, different. Well, also, well, I guess also too because like the shiners kind of like they do more of a comedic spin, but then yeah. I think I get thrown off because the Friars Club has a lot of comedians in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think you know the the shiners. Um, have like those small small cars and they like the, yes, and they have that yes. red hat with the yep. tassel that yeah. kind of thing. So I yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shrine, not Shiner, Shriner, 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 Shriner. Yeah. yeah. It finally came to me. I was like, Shiner's just doesn't seem right. Uh, but Shriner's. <laughs> Someone in the car was just yelling at us for two two yeah. minutes straight right now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. All right. Uh, Kramer comes in and he's on this new sleep schedule. He's doing. 20 minutes every two hours or whatever the hell it was. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Jerry's like, no, man, you're, you're not going to be able to do this. Uh, you know, Jerry need to ask Jerry to wake him up in 20 minutes. Apparently, it's based on this Da Vinci sleep schedule. I don't know. If, I did not even check to see if that was a real thing or not. It, well, whether he, Da Vinci, actually did it or not, I don't know. But it, it does exist because the writer, I watched the behind the scenes on this episode, and the writer was like, he said he was always fascinated with that the, the theory, and so it just kind of landed as a, as a Kramer thing, basically. And so it's basically like, okay, if you only get 20 minutes every two hours, whatever the hell so it every is. Every three hours, it's three 20, hours. you get 20 minutes of sleep every three hours. You you still get your allotted time, apparently, you know, not spoiler alert, you don't. But uh, and then you have more free time essentially, and that's what Kramer's latching onto is that he's going to have like what two extra days a week, and then if you yeah. extrapolate that outwards, you know. But he's not taking into account. Oh boy, <laughs> that's not <laughs> what the human body does. It's not what the human body needs. It needs a lot yep. more than that. So yeah, yeah, you need a lot of REM sleep, the REM sleep. That's exactly. the good shit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So all right. At Elaine's work, there's a meeting uh, with a bunch of people. Peterman introduces a new person, Bob, to the company, played by Rob Schneider, Yay! who we've mentioned, yes, uh, on SNL for many years. On Obviously, he had another, a lot of movies. You can do it! Yeah. That guy as well from, like, multiple Adam Sandler movies. Um, you know, he's uh, he was a pretty big... Big name, you know. A lot of the times we have like like Terry Hatcher, the Courtney Cox. They came in before they became famous, right? You know, with the show. But like the John Lovitz, and obviously Bette Midler. She doesn't count because she was playing herself. Um, but like the Rob Schneider, or even uh, you know, they they were established by the time they came in here. And that, yeah. that didn't that doesn't seem to happen too much with Seinfeld. No, no, because they don't try. To, I don't feel like they, they ever try to make it a big deal of the celebrity that they're like sort of putting on the show. And usually when mm-hmm. they do, that celebrity is playing themselves, like you just said, mm-hmm. or it's a sports celebrity. But here, I mean, this was pretty much either right at the peak of Rob Schneider height or like yeah. getting close to it. Like he was on the upswing here. So, yeah, this I, probably I think did good some- for him. Probably some extra time. He had just recently left SNL, and he has been doing. He'd been doing like kind of the movies with with um, uh, with with Adam Sandler. But before he started headlining his own movies, right? It's like this is right right in that time. And so the right. writer who wrote this episode, who writes a lot of Seinfeld, uh, he used to write for SNL as well. So he actually knew oh. Rob Schneider from there. So cool. And of course, uh, Larry David used to also write for SNL. So like you know that a lot of ties, a lot of there. yeah, long a lot of strong connection to SNL with Seinfeld. Yep. Because so yeah, Larry David was like the first season or something, right? Like, that like yeah, first I don't batch. remember, but he was he was a good bit. Yeah, back. yeah, yeah. All right, so Jay Peterman, he's gonna kind of haze uh, Bob a little bit and give him all like the copywriting to do. And Bob, excuse me, I can't. 
could you say that again? Excuse me? He can't hear him. And so Peterman's basically like, eh, fuck it. Elaine can do it. And so (laughs) Elaine gets jammed. Yeah, I... By the way, I was a copy editor for a magazine for a brief, brief moment, a magazine called Show Magazine that I worked on in uh, the photography studio in downtown L.A. It was an urban mag, uh, a.k.a. a lot of uh, African-American ladies, uh, very, very curvy. And uh, uh, was it was it a nude ladies? Not nude. And that was on purpose because his uh, his highest circulation was in prisons. So uh, he yeah, look up Show Magazine. <laughs> I am so, doing uh, that right now. So, so he could. So on purpose, he like basically they were obviously minimally dressed, but uh, he knew not to make them nude because he couldn't. Then they couldn't sell them in in uh, prisons. And uh, not gonna lie, he's one of the last urban mags that actually survived, and so he knew what he was doing. Um, but I see I see the look of perplexion this, on Adam's uh, face. No, I'm looking at it because this is still pretty good material for a person yeah. in yeah. in, in prison. Uh, prison. Like yeah. absolutely. I mean, you could look at this and still get your jollies. Yeah, yeah. So as a copy editor, and I actually have magazines with my credit in in the front as copy editor, dude, all I did was like when he would interview the girl or whatever, like ask her questions, she'd send it to an email or whatever. I would just fucking pop it into Word. And then all the <laughs> all the red, all the red squigglies, I would go in and fix. And oh, sometimes, sometimes, guys and gals, it was yeah. all red squigglies. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, this looks like a solid magazine. Yes. Uh, if you have any extra copies laying around, feel free to send them. I do. And uh, next time I see you, I'll bring one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking Back. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion you're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. Hey, everybody. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.
I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> All right. So at the Friars Club, Jerry, you know, they're about to go in, go sit down for dinner and whatnot. But he needs to borrow a jacket because it is a, you know, jackets establishment for guys, whatever that happens at fancy places and shit yeah. like this. So, and I, um, but I, yeah, I love the exchange that him and, and the, the, his date uh, have oh, when she goes joking. She, I know it was funny, but it was fantastic. And she was like, oh, this must be so embarrassing for you. And he kind of just like slyly looks over and he goes, you just bought your own dinner. But it was it was great because you could tell he like like. 10% meant it, you know what I mean? But yeah. it was also still funny, and then she was smiling. And it would, honestly, well, I was like, it worked. I thought it really it showed, fucking worked. It showed they had a good rapport, and it shows a lot of good hope for that relationship uh, that, you know, George has kind of established that he wants to have happen as well. And the dinner date is kind of going really, really well. Granted, George is just talking, or Jerry's just talking to George, and Susan's just talking to, uh, you know, uh, was it Hallie? Uh, is there her it's friend? It's Hallie, yeah, and uh, yeah. she's played by Samantha Smith. I already looked this up. Okay, yeah, uh, she has been in uh, Supernatural for a good few episodes, and then Transformers, yeah, things like that. I was gonna say, I think what a lot of people would probably know her from is the Supernatural series. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's what I was gonna call out, and she is pretty stunning looking, in, in my oh, opinion. oh, very, very attractive. Yeah. Uh, was she ever on um uh, the magazine, the show? Her, her pigmentation was way too light. <laughs> okay. And her booty is not quite big enough. <laughs> uh, I see. I see. All right. All right. Jerry gets back to the apartment and uh, Kramer is sleeping on the couch. Uh, and of course, because he just passes out in random places. And then he realizes he forgot to return the jacket that he had on. And so didn't we wait, didn't we already do a Kramer falls asleep episode way back? Uh. I don't feel like something like this is, is, okay. you know, I almost feel like there's, there's overlaps with like him taking stuff to the dry cleaners and stuff, but yeah, yeah. I've, I don't recall another falling asleep one. I know what you mean. There is something in the back of my head that's kind of scraping at me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, what is that? <laughs> it's the, it's, yeah. Oh, well, oh, well. Yeah. It's just, it feels like Kramer has had to fall asleep. You know, multiple times, and he couldn't. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of like the Kenny Rogers episode where he, right, got where no he sleep can't fall and that's yeah, in the head. Yeah, and then and then you know, but but maybe you know, maybe that's it. So anyway, all right. Um, but yeah, so Jerry still has the jacket on, you know, with the crest on it. Uh, that you know, so he has to figure out how to take it back to them. Um, and Kramer currently says that uh, everything is going good with his Da Vinci sleep schedule. All right, he's enjoying it. Okay. As he's pouring himself a giant bowl of Fruity Pebbles. Yeah, good old friend, but no milk. And he's like, I'll I'll be back. I'll be back. (laughs) That's good, yeah. Oh, he also kind of drops that he's got a girlfriend who is over, and she never wants to leave the apartment. She Mm. just kind of wants to hang around, um, you know, at at his place. Okay, there we go. He goes, maybe she's embarrassed of me or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's, It's 
because she's got a boyfriend or something, which yeah, like that's which, something which, they, we, which we we realize that later. Yeah, I know, but I feel like that's still not something they really sort of hammered home as to why yeah. she wouldn't go out with him. You know, no, no. I mean, I made I mean, that it's not connection a big deal. pretty easily. Okay. I, right. I made the connection, but that's because I'm like, you know, looking for it and making sure that it came back. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, uh, Elaine is doing everyone's copy editing. Upset. Yada yada yada. Uh, Kramer wakes up Jerry in the middle of the night because he's bored. What's he gonna do? He's got nothing going on. It's it's, it's he's like got all this free morning. time. Yeah, <laughs> but because he's Kramer, he uh, has no boundaries and just fucking wakes up Jerry. So. <laughs> he's like, but what am I gonna do? I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, go read a book or something. Exactly. Uh, the next day, Elaine can't go to lunch with Jerry because. You know, he's, she's got all this work to do. She's swamped. They kind of discuss this new guy, Bob, who skipped out on the work, seemingly. You know, that he, um, he, she thinks he might be faking it, you know? And so, you know, Jerry, he leaves, he heads out, but he has to stop by the bathroom first. He sees Bob, and he uh, kind of in the, in the back behind him starts testing his hearing. <laughs> hey, hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Oh, Bob. <laughs> Bobby Bob, I, I just love. He was kind of, he was almost kind of a little Larry Davidish in his in the way he was doing it, you know. Yeah. Hey, hey Bob, hey Bob, Bob Bob. And Bob doesn't really react, but Jerry goes back to Elaine and thinks maybe he flinched, maybe he didn't. And so Elaine's like, "Yeah, you don't know shit, do you?" She's like, like no. so "He got nothing, right?" He's like, "Nah." And I love yeah. it. And right before he goes to the bathroom, he comes in and sees her, and he just he all immediately just starts taking a bite of her sandwich that she's eating. It's it's her sandwich. He takes a bite of it, and then you know when he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna leave now," he just basically tosses it back down. But I like the fact. She doesn't give a shit because that's no. I love that's that's the old friends that I love like you know the the when they portray that you can tell they're just super old friends you know and yep. she's just like I don't give a crap if Jerry eats part of my sandwich you know yeah now I don't want any even my close friends to just bite my sandwich without asking <laughs> well granted they've had sex before you and I have not <laughs> yet ah <laughs> uh, yeah yet I've had sex with a, a couple different people and if any one of them came over to my place and ate my sandwich I would be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> any one of them Touché. besides my Touché. wife <laughs> all right uh at the apartment in comes george he's just glowing over that double date and you know she could she could be in it is she in it she, she could it. be in it and um you know it's all exciting and gonna go uh and they're gonna go to another date they're gonna do this thing called the flying sandos yes and and, and cool. it's so exciting that kramer's there and he falls asleep standing there he does uh, yeah, he's. I just wrote. He, Kramer's not really doing very well with his sleep schedule right no, now. No, because he said he starts falling asleep. Jerry just looks at him. He goes, "Hey!" And Kramer's like, uh, "You know," yeah. kind of startles, yeah. to, startles awake. Yep. But uh, Jerry's looking for that jacket that he had because he's going to return it to the Friars Club. But Kramer took it. You know, Kramer pops in. Um, he apparently took it to the cleaners because he borrowed it and got something on it. Um, and so well, he got something on. He, it was because he fell so asleep and woke up in the trash. So got yeah, trash he woke up in it. the garbage. You're right. He <laughs> <laughs> woke up in the garbage. Uh, so obviously, yeah, he's, he's, uh, this Da Vinci sleep schedule. Not so hot. No, no. It's, you know, it's funny. It's like at this point, I almost kind of want more Kramer shenanigans in this episode because, you know, I don't know. I just want to see him walking and like fall asleep and then fall into trash or something. I agree. It's, it <laughs> seems like there's something there that could have been like, there could have been more to it, you know? He could have gotten into bigger antics yeah. with his falling asleep. Um, and it could have been a bigger B storyline or C storyline, I guess, for this one. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, all right. Elaine asks Bob for, I mean, also it could have done more to interact other than like, oh, off screen, I got something. I would have loved to see him fall asleep in the garbage. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Like, you know, a, a big plot point like that that interacts with Jerry, I would have loved to see that happen more. Agreed. Cut that fucking comedy act in the bit in the beginning that sucked and show me Kramer falling asleep in the trash. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will actually cite a better place to use the, the time that you could cut from the... Co- and I'll, I'll when we get there, it's from the behind the scenes, but it, and it's okay. a Jay Peterman moment. Cool. Uh, Elaine asked Bob for something, and obviously he still does his thing. Huh, what? Pardon me? And she thinks he's faking it. Uh, she does some whole uh, thing. She kind of gets behind him. Yeah. Uh, and says like a whole, oh, you turned me on, Bob. Oh, Bob. Oh, you're so sexy. I want you so bad, Bob. Uh, and behind her walks Jay Peterman, who kind of looks at her and hears what she's <laughs> saying and just kind of slyly grins and keeps walking. I know. And I, I do love how Jay Peterman's okay with this, you know? Yeah. He's like, it's fine. <laughs> you think that would typically be an HR problem, but whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, Jerry joins them uh, for the show. He has got the jacket, and he, but he didn't get it back in time to stop by the Friars Club first, so he just went straight to uh, the show, The Flying Sandos. And the all the Flying Sandos stuff was filmed at the famed L.A. theater, The Orpheus, in downtown. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Which is yeah. which is like a uh, an old vaudeville uh you know sh- uh, theater and everything. So when they mm. were filming like behind backstage and stuff, they were all like Jesus, like the history here was just impressive. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. So the the Flying Sandos is like a circusy act. It's kind of like a comedy juggling uh, acrobatic kind of act. And they the, the and I forgot the name of them, but that's not their Karamazov or something like that. But they the four guys were actually like still pretty much the same thing. But they were like yeah. the hardest part was for us because they're all kind of equal and and very much in their little troop. But they like we had to designate somebody as sort of like the leader so we could kind of focus the story on that person. And the writer and the directors were like it was just kind of hard because like trying to make one of them the the head when they're all kind of very equal about things. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, but uh, one of them kind of gets up on the shoulders of the other, kind of climbs up to the area, the box that uh, Jerry and George and their dates are in, Susan and uh, Hallie. And he uh, needs some help from the audience. Okay, but he needs one of their jackets. A strange thing to ask. I've never really seen one of this, but whatever. And he, huzzah, makes it disappear. And Jerry's all like, what the fuck? And so at first, I do like that. He's like, hey, uh, can I, can I, you know, get some help from the audience? And they, he points to Jerry and Jerry's like, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, that I liked immediately. But then from peer pressure, he's like, okay, fine. And he gives him his jacket. But now his jacket's missing. Oh, and he, he doesn't he give it back it, to him right away. And when he says, make it disappear, he throws it into the crowd. Just yeah, literally. And Jer- crowd. I love how just D- Jerry is just dejected looking. He's like, oh, okay. That's, that's not comedy. And which is ironic because, you know, he's a comedian. So he's like, well, that's not funny. Yeah. Yep. So, but it was cool how the, the, the one guy got up to the balcony where they were. He did like they, yeah. they climbed up the other guys. It was like like it was a real stunt that they all just did. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's that's cool. I like that. And which actually speaking of stunt work later, there's a pretty impressive stunt with Kramer in the water. So, you know, that it's it's an interesting episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh Kramer and his girl are just hanging out at his place. And I'm sure you noticed the pasta statuettes are still behind him. I can't unsee them now. You know what I mean? Ever since you called them out, I keep looking for them. So, um, 
and they are making out, and he falls asleep on top of her. <laughs> and, she, womp womp. and she thinks he's fucking dead. It's great. She does. It's so good because, and then when she like kind of picks up his face, just like the the face that Kramer or that Michael Richards is making is just yeah. fantastic. But he's so sound asleep, she thinks he's dead. I was like, this is a good culmination of where they were going. I just, yeah. I just wish we saw more of like the the build up to it. But I like where the whole sleeping thing sort of goes with Kramer. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's funny. Uh, Connie is played by Lisa Arch. Yeah. Uh, she is actually going to be coming up in some Curb episodes. Oh, cool. In our future. She's, uh, she's, she's also been on Mad TV. She's been on Mad TV. She was on Crank Anchors, if yeah. you remember that show at all. So, yeah. She, she's an improv person. Yeah. Yep, definitely. So, she calls some guy named Tommy um, because uh, she can't call the cops because Johnny might find out. Yeah. So, obviously, right then and there, you realize, okay, she's in with some people who know how to get rid of a body, but also she has a boyfriend. Uh, so... That's why she didn't want to leave the apartment with Kramer. That kind of comes together. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the show, Jerry tries to retrieve the jacket from the guys, but they all deny knowing where it is. And, you know, Jerry's a little bit miffed about it, and I don't blame him one bit. Hallie, his, you know, date, uh, works or is kind of like set up the the show or something, kind of works with them, the Sando. Someone. She's like, don't worry, I'll get it back. And he's like, uh, okay, fine. So... All right. Well, and, and, and yeah, and, and he was also a little bit dejected, you know, like they all want to go off afterwards, but he's like, eh, it doesn't really feel like it. But one thing I didn't really understand was there were four of those guys and one answered the door and two of them were in there and he goes, two already left. And I'm like, what? There's not five of you, though. Not five, yeah. yeah, I was like, that doesn't make any sense at all. That was weird. <laughs> Uh, look at you doing math. I didn't even notice that at all. <laughs> I didn't realize there were only four of them. But yeah, yeah, I think I think so. That's all I ever saw was four of them. So fair, fair. Uh, Susan, though, yeah. So Jerry does not stick around. Susan wants to get coffee, and Jerry's like, "Nah, nah. I just want to go home." He's kind yeah. of had it done for now. He's he's upset, and so just Susan's like, "Well, we can still go." And so George has to go get coffee, and there's an awkward scene of him and Susan just at Monk's. And really, it's just like, God, these people should not be together. Yeah. Well, mostly she's trying. Yeah. Like she's actually trying to like talk to George and stuff. And he's just an asshole. I mean, guys and gals, probably spoiler alert for the wrap up of the season. I think I think they did Susan dirty because I think she was a <laughs> wonderful person this entire season so far and a great mate to George. But yet she gets yeah. shat on left and right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her Her biggest fault is... Loving George yeah, Costanza. Exactly. That is her <laughs> biggest fault. Yeah. And maybe it's worth dying for. Who knows? <laughs> it's, we'll find it's out not, a little bit later. It's not. It's not, not worth it. He is not worth that no. shit. So. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. The BFOP Network has partnered with 80stees.com to uh, give you guys a fantastic deal. If you go to 80stees.com and use our code BFOP, that's B-F-O-P, you will get 30% off your entire order. I've got a shirt that's come in. It is fantastic. They have got tons of different merch options for any kind of 80s thing that you love. I can guarantee you're going to find it on 80stees.com. Their shirts are awesome quality. The one i am got on right now is fantastic and soft fits perfect. So make sure you go to 80stees.com and use the code BFOP, that's B-F-O-P, for 30% off your order. 
All right, getting back to the apartment, Jerry sees two guys carrying a body out of Kramer's place. <laughs> oh, that nut is always up to something. Uh, I love it. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, and those guys throw Kramer into the Hudson River. <laughs> but obviously, while he is in there, he's kind of like, you know, having to escape the bag that they put him in. And he uh, wakes up and has to swim away. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was watching this and, you know, I mean, at this point, you know, we know Seinfeld really well. And this is a st- I mean, this is a stunt right here. They actually have Michael Richards in a, a burlap sap sack. Sorry. And, uh, you know, they they use the, the pool at like Paramount or something, you know, and they dropped him in there. But he's like the first time I went in. I, I didn't even go that far, so they had to put, like, some, like, 40 pounds of, like, bricks in, in, in the sack. So he said the second time that I dropped in, he's like, I shot straight to the bottom, essentially. <laughs> and so there's two takes there. There's that one, the kind of the dropping in one, and then him sort of coming out. And so for that, they actually had two divers with him. You know, he's mm-hmm. in there. You know, Michael Richards is literally, like, underwater, you know, and they have the, the hose and everything. He has, like, another emergency one in his arm if he needs it, you know. But he goes, you know, Michael Richards says he's like, I I was certified. I'm a trained diver. So, like, I I was comfortable with everything. But, you know, everyone was still kind of nervous because anytime that anything like this happens, there's always a chance something could go wrong. But he did have two divers in there with him and everything. And then when he gets out of it and he's floating around, that was, again, also shot from the top down of the same pool. The scene where they dropped the fake body in was a mannequin. That was just, I think, a bridge in, like, Venice or something like that. And they just, you know, filmed it. Um, But, I mean... For Seinfeld to have like to actually use like the water tank and everything like that's a yeah. pretty an underwater and, shoot yeah that's, that's more a, intense than that's, normal yeah that's it's you know what it's time better spent than trying to have him interact with a monkey like last season you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. doing something different you know so I was like yeah. I, you know I just I don't know I felt like I appreciated this. A little bit more than when I was younger because I now understand okay. what it takes to film a scene like this. Fair. All right. Peterman gives Elaine two tickets to the Flying Sandos uh, for her to take Bob because he overheard, obviously, that conversation. And, you know, now she kind of has to take him because he even says, oh, what a cruel joke that would be if you were just testing his hearing problem that would be grounds for fire for firing yeah uh, and so now she has to fucking take him so in this scene there is a a peterman monologue that they cut but if you watch the behind the scenes it was filmed if you watch the behind the scenes uh uh o'hurley is that his name uh michael yeah, uh, yeah O'Hurley. john john, john O'Hurley. O'Hurley. there you go he literally on the interview recites the monologue they cut back and forth between him doing the interview and, and the the actual show mm-hmm. so i mean he nailed his monologue years later and he was like he was talking he's like it was one of the best monologues like i've ever done he's like clearly i remember it you know Mm -hmm. and it was very funny not gonna lie that i recommend people go listen to it but they had to cut it because it was like a minute minute and a half you know and he's like obviously they needed that for plot exposition or something but i say to you fucking cut that opening uh monologue the the stand-up and then trim something here and there and keep that fucking uh peterman monologue in there because it was fucking funny what did he go on about? Um, about him understanding uh, being in love with somebody who he works with because when he was a kid, he had he had to do an apprenticeship at some you know place. That of course, is fantastic. And see, yeah, that, that's, this sounds very Jay Peterman. I know. And well, and Lane's rolling her eyes, but then he talks about like this lady. You know, is pretty ugly and everything. But then he he had to date her because he fell in love with her because they were working together. It was great. It was really fucking yeah. good. But and and again. 
John O'Hurley fucking recited it all in the interview. You know what I mean? Like from the top of his head. But yeah, dude, check that out when you when you get a chance. Seriously, guys and gals, okay. find it out there as well. It's really good. I found it, so I'm going to recite it. Elaine, I too am no stranger to the love on the clock. As a youngster, my father apprenticed me to a honey factory in Belize. Yep, that's it. The chief beekeeper was this horrible hag of a woman who not with gnarled teeth and a giant wart that she called a nose. Whoa. She was not attractive, even by backwood standards. But <laughs> yeah. love is truly blind, Elaine. And as the days went on, working closer and closer together, that sweet smell of honey in the air... I knew I had that horrible creature, and I did. So you and Bob have a good time tonight. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's so good. It's so fucking good. It's very fitting, and I agree that would have, that would have improved the episode. It would have, and you know what? You reciting it here did improve this episode. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. you know what? Instead of when we can, if yeah. we can tell, as opposed to telling people, we'll go find it. I guess that's our job. Yeah, <laughs> they're paying us to find it. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> all right uh anyway uh jerry now has to pay 800 bucks for this jacket what the fuck an 800 dollars yeah. jacket I, that's literally my note is was that what the fuck that is intensely expensive and that's um, and that's but, 1996 money by the way that is 1996 money it, intense that's probably worth damn near twice that or like at least like yeah 1400 now yeah i think so yeah so yeah uh, but Jerry's now turned off on the whole Hallie thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and George is upset. And, you know, he doesn't want Jerry. He, he wants Jerry to de-sour. He wants him to sweeten. De-sour, Jerry. Don't don't sour on her. Um, and whatever. Kind of funny. Uh, Kramer comes in all wet, convinced that Connie tried to kill him. <laughs> I, woke, right. I woke up in the Hudson River in a sack. <laughs> a sack. Yeah. All right, Jerry. I can. I am so curious about your thoughts on this. You seem very excited about this episode. Uh, Jerry goes to the Friars Club, talks to Pat Cooper. Pat Cooper is a classic comedian. He's been on yeah. Jackie Gleason, Merv Griffin, just a classic guy. He's he's been around a long time. And he was in like um, Analyze This and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, but they then notice that one of the gypsies is wearing. His jacket, at least they believe so, and so they try to go after him. But the Mater D that they we had seen earlier pulls them. Hey, you can't be in here without a jacket. Um, but they're trying to explain, you know, hey, that's that's my jacket, you know. And he kept saying that's my jacket. If he would have said, hey, I'm sorry, the jacket that I had was stolen by him. This is your jacket. I don't. I feel like the, the Mater D just walks them out, and then they. They, they didn't continue discussing it. Like, it would have been an easy conversation. I, I guess, because but then the Mater D would say, no, it's not. It's his jacket, because I didn't give anybody a jacket here. Maybe. Maybe that's it. So. Or, and I guess if he, then the idea is he would have walked in with it, but then why would it be, have, why would it have a Friars Club? You know what I mean? Somebody yeah. would have noticed that. Yeah, yeah, fair. Or the Mater D could have gone and looked at it and been like, oh, wait, that's not the crest. Yeah. Um, but whatever. All right, we cut to the Flying Sandos performance. Elaine and Bob are there. He's trying to hit on her. Hit on her? Trying He's trying to, hit to on molest her. her. He is shoving his face into her chest. He, uh, he dives in. He dives into her chest. Yeah, he starts making the exactly. He makes his move, um, but she shoves him off twice from him doing this and walks away. And he walks away with like this weird look at her and then also kind of like he's defeated, but he walks away. It was very confusing. It didn't make any sense. And it also goes completely against him. Can he hear? Can he not hear? 
Like, because this makes it seems like he could hear. I know. But she tries on her fucking earpiece later, and it is a real earpiece. Yeah. So it's like, what direction are you taking here, Seinfeld? I don't know, but it's confusing. I I agree with you. Uh, the only thing, I'll, and I'll say is, he only had an earpiece in one ear, so maybe the other yeah. ear hears just fine, and that's his sort of his thing, right? Because when Peterman was talking at him, it was the the the, the bad ear was was yeah, towards Peterman. Yeah. But but then if the other ear worked, he would say he would turn his other ear and be like, oh, you know, I didn't hear you. Yeah, I yeah I yeah <laughs> yeah. My my enthusiasm for this episode does not mean I think this episode is perfect. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> Trust me. Okay. All right. So. Uh, Jerry runs into uh, that gypsy guy with his jacket backstage and they steal it back uh, and they get away and they realize, oh, wait, it's the wrong crest. And then in out pops Hallie, who has the actual jacket. She took it to the cleaners, apparently without telling Jerry that she found it. I thought, um, I thought they I thought the, the troop got it dry cleaned. Oh, maybe that's what I, 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 only, I, I only say that because I thought to my, in my head, I was like, Oh, that was actually nice of them to, to do that. You know, I, I thought she said, I got a dry clean. Maybe she said they got a dry clean. I don't remember off the top of my head. So uh, again, um, somebody's yelling at us in the car right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, now she has soured on Jerry, of course. And then the gypsies chase Jerry and George, um, you know, who hit the alarm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hit the alarm. The alarm makes Elaine's ears explode. They yes, exactly. They hit they hit the alarm and Elaine, who has then tried on Bob's hearing aid, you know, puts it on to test it out and now she's in massive pain. Uh good massive pain movements from yeah. Elaine. And now and, that. She, and she falls like out of screen, like out of frame sort of, which yeah. is funny. And you you do sort of forget that uh, that Julia Louis Dreyfus is, is also a great physical comedian too. Another tie to SNL because she was on SNL for a season that people don't oh, realize. I forgot. About, I always forget about that. Good yeah. call. Good call. Uh, and Kramer in a tag at the end. Kramer with some detectives goes after Connie for trying to kill him. She calls her lawyer. Haha. It's Jackie Childs. Um, and he wants nothing to do with Kramer. And this tag felt incredibly just jammed in for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I we agree. are squeezing in a Jackie Childs for no no reason other than hey, let's get Jackie Childs in an episode, right? And if he was a mafioso uh, lawyer, I don't think he would turn down the case, uh, you know, because of of Kramer. Um, so you called me out, and yes, I I, I, <laughs> I will say what I liked about this episode, I liked, and I think I called that out. You know, the Kramer stuff I thought was funny and everything. Um, honestly, that was probably my my favorite part was the Kramer stuff. But personally, I thought that some of the uh, the Friar stuff and then the Jerry stuff all kind of fell a little bit flat to the point where I don't think there was really much of a of a payoff for any of it and then all couple that with the fact that I really felt that there was no connective tissue between Kramer's situation and what was going on you know with them yeah he me he was the one that took the 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 jacket into get it dry cleaned and everything but if if that was the case and we said it, we would rather have also seen him take the jacket, fall into the trash, and, you know, have to do all that stuff instead of just hearing about it. It all felt very like a bunch of different ideas in the air, mm -hmm. and they just kind of threw them into this episode. Now, I will say that this has always been an episode that I kind of get a little glassy-eyed over. Like, if it popped up on reruns, I'd be like, eh, I'm going to halfway pay attention to this episode. So... 
being forced to, for the show to review it, to actually pay attention to it, I do think I found myself liking more things than I think I used to like about it. Okay. But I think as a whole, for me personally, this episode just landed pretty, almost kind of flat. And I'm going to put it right in the middle at 2.5 fine sandos out of five. <laughs> Whatever they were called. <laughs> well, you were not speaking with the enthusiasm of a 2.5 or I thought you were going to go in like a five range to the way you were sat. You sounded right? I know you so were, you were excited. Like, you were like, what's happening here? What's going on? <laughs> exactly. Because ultimately I had very similar. I have not changed my score and I, I felt this episode. Honestly, what I'll say is I felt very little uh, about the way on this episode. I just gave me very little feelings. There were some semi-funny funny moments. There were some semi-meh moments. But overall, the episode was incredibly mediocre. Um, I didn't dislike enough stuff, but I really didn't like enough stuff either. And so, yeah, I fell flat in the middle, in the middle. with 2.5 out of 5 crested jackets. Ah, there you go. There, there you go. go. <laughs> yours, yours is better than mine. Yes. Yeah. I, you know what? Honestly, I, I think after, because uh, we had a week off of you and our recording, maybe I was just uh-huh. excited to be recording Seinfeld, you know, Cartwright again. <laughs> that could be it. But yeah, like I was, I was about to be like, "Holy shit, is this going to be another one of our big disparities?" Nope, because exactly. we felt not- exactly the same. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And yeah, this is a down the middle episode. But you know what? It's never a down the middle episode. Podcasting after dark. Every episode is at least a four point five, maybe a five. Every single one. You guys are awesome. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. And guys and gals, we are recording so far in ahead at this point. We have so many episodes of Cartwright in the can. I have no idea what what you're going to be out out there. Like what's out there right now on podcasting after dark. So I'll just go say, hey. Go check out Blast From Our Past. Go check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. Adam and John produce some fantastic content over there. They're always having a great time, whether they are, you know, doing a trivia show or whether they are breaking down and reviewing movies and TV shows from their past or they're breaking down and reviewing uh, full album reviews. And uh, right now, I am so excited to listen to the Rob Zombie Hellbilly Deluxe uh, album review that you guys just dropped. Again, by the time you all listen to this, that was probably about five weeks ago. <laughs> so we don't know yeah. what's out there right now, to be honest with you. But uh, we do know that that at this point, uh, Talking Back is still putting out a great show. We do know that uh, Action Action <laughs> is still doing their thing, and they're still awesome. So I can only well, assume five months from now or five weeks from now, we're all going to be rocking and rolling <laughs> god that would be the downfall of the p-pop network it's like these next five weeks because you jinxed us everything falls to shit knock on wood i'm knocking on my forehead right now yep. <laughs> and like uh, adam said you know we we appreciate you guys and gals listening to us on the free feed but if you do want to listen to the next episode called the wig master then you're gonna have to check out our patreon and that's patreon.com slash cartwright and for just one dollar absolutely one dinero a month Month, you get every single episode of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast from episode one to the Wigmaster. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. 
We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Everybody, it's your two favorite podcast hosts, Adam and Corey from Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, and we have something very exciting to tell you about. That's right. We have decided to take on not just Seinfeld, but also Curb Your Enthusiasm, exclusive to our Patreon feed. So that means every single month we go episode by episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And the fun thing is, I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm before, so I am super excited to go down this road with you, Adam. But even better, when you join at the Curb Your Enthusiasm tier, you also unlock the complete back catalog of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, totally ad-free. So you get Seinfeld, you get Curb, and you get Adam and Corey. What else could you want? I don't know, maybe to dip my bald head in oil and rub it all over your body? I'm um, sorry, Corey. That's another tier. We're not ready for that yet. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right. Well, now back to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. <laughs> 